You're listening to the Science Circle Podcast. It's a nonprofit program serving a global alliance of scientists, educators, students, and you. Welcome. Our guest today is Dr. Robert Hendricks. He's a recently retired surgeon in North Carolina, and he's an active presenter in the Science Circle as he now works to share knowledge in the service of better health around the world. He is currently focused on a rapidly spreading fatty liver disease, and this is a critical health issue. It's a worldwide prevalence approaching 20% and can lead to total liver failure. And it's a problem making headlines just today. I saw another story out about it. We'll be talking more about that and how to keep you and your loved ones out of the scores of the sick. Robert got much of his early life learning at a public library every Saturday. And then he attended university in Germany and the United States before graduating with honors in mathematics at Purdue and ultimately earning his MD from the University of Kentucky and completing a residency mostly at Ohio State University before becoming board certified as a head and neck surgeon. He served on the faculty for over seven years at the University of Pennsylvania and was very active with medical student education and resident surgeon training. He is now retired and finding new ways to help improve the health of humanity. We have much more to add to this long list of credentials and achievements, so let's just work some of that in as we talk. Robert, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's a timely topic that you've brought us. You've pointed out that some 20% of the world may be suffering from this fatty liver disease. It causes the liver to swell with dangerous levels of fat deposits. And that rate may be even much higher in the United States. The uh, Journal of the American Medical Association reported last month that some 100 million people in the USA have developed the disease. That's about a third of all Americans, and 7 million of those are children under the age of 18. Robert, we've been making so many advances uh, defeating diseases around the world. This one seems to have exploded in just a generation. It was first spotted uh, in just 1952. Uh, what is this disease? Where did it come from, and uh, what, what can we do about it? Well, initially, it was recognized as fatty change in the liver, and the gold standard for detecting that or determining that is a punch biopsy with liver tissue uh, through a needle. Traditionally, we thought mostly of uh, cirrhosis of the liver occurring with uh, alcohol abuse because alcohol is toxic. It's metabolized by, uh, to small degrees in the stomach and uh, intestine, but uh, and even uh, some in the kidneys, but uh, mostly in the liver. And the first step in its metabolism is to make an aldehyde, which is really uh, 
toxic and uh, carcinogen. I could understand the, uh, the, the indicators, the symptoms are, are very difficult sometimes to recognize, short of poking a needle into the liver and pulling out a, a sample. Are, are there some indicators uh, that people might be watching for, if not a physical indicator, perhaps a lifestyle indicator that says, hey, you might have a problem here? And to a large extent, this is a quiet disease at the outset, but people start to get ill and often it's associated with morbid with morbid obesity or obesity frank obesity being a body mass index of greater than 30 coincident with the use in the food industry of corn syrup high fructose corn syrup fructose intake felt to be uh, related to this uh, disease development and um, also processed food uh, high fat diets and um, diets low in vegetables and uh, fruits and natural food sources. Yeah, they're calling this the new diabetes. It says we're just eating way too much sugar, uh, much more uh, than the 10% of caloric intake recommended by the World Health Organization. Uh, 10% of our calories, less than that should be uh, consumed as sugar. And boy, we're sure doing a lot more than that, aren't we? I've seen estimates 20% in cases, 30% sometimes caloric intake just from sugar. Is 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 that the culprit here? Is it is it lack of education, people not understanding the dangers of sugar? Is it the marketing, uh, economic hardship? Chips. What do you think is contributing to this burgeoning uh, of numbers? Fast food. But there's another angle to this. Bacteria like um, bifidobacteria, um, they're beneficial bacteria often. They produce molecules from uh, soluble fermentable fiber like uh, oats and barley and uh, fruits and vegetables. Well, it's great that you're talking about diet because that is so much of the solution to so many of these problems, isn't it? Uh, uh, reduced levels of fat and inflammation in the liver has been uh, shown by cutting out fruit juices and sugary sodas and soft drinks and processed foods. And I was reading that in just one study, after eight, only eight weeks on a special diet reducing sugar intake to just one percent of a daily input well the uh livers transformed remarkably in some of these subjects limiting about a third of the liver fat composition about three pounds uh of weight gone in just eight weeks of reducing sugar in the diet so i know you take a holistic approach uh, to medicine you've talked about this bringing in diet exercise mental mindset uh, what what is your best advice uh, to non-medical people listening to this and how they might put together a plan to deal with it? You've talked about three key health numbers uh, that they should be watching. What are those numbers and, and what might they do for just some, some self-diagnosis and care? To my thinking, these are the most useful numbers for the average person to monitor their health. Body mass index. You can assess your body mass index uh, by estimating uh, with through the internet by taking your height and your weight um, find a website that is just look up BMI and uh, you'll find uh, tools to calculate uh, your body mass index body mass index is one big one another one keep your blood pressure numbers good 
if you keep those numbers from being high, it, it'll keep it from killing you. And finally, the number of hours of sleep, I think, is critical for general health. It'll cause early degeneration of brain function if you don't get adequate sleep. That's pretty well documented. Now you've shared some very useful advice for making ourselves physically healthier. When we come back, let's check some suggestions you might have for younger scientists and learners. We'll talk more about that after a brief break. We're talking with Dr. Robert Hendricks. He's a recently retired physician and surgeon who has spent a lifetime learning and practicing medicine and science. Robert spent his early years working on a farm with livestock and crops, which he says was his self-education in natural science 101, learning about fossils and minerals, plants, insects, feathers, and bones. And he was out collecting chemicals and roaming free around the countryside to explore and even set up a primitive lab for experiments when done with his farm work chores. And Robert, it sounds like you came from rather humble beginnings, working on a farm, setting up your own primitive laboratory, spending your weekends at the library. Uh, you've seen the value of hard work. No doubt you uh, also had a pretty good brain working for you, too. Uh, what's your best tip out there to the young people on how to combine the best of brain and brawn, putting both your back and your brain into personal growth that you seem to have done so successfully? Well, one thing I would say is don't wait for someone to teach you. Most of the time, I've, I've learned the best by studying on my own, exploring and um, figuring out things on my own. Now, no one took much stock of me when I was young. I, was, uh, I had poor vision and uh, needed classes, and nobody really took notice of that. And I think I missed a lot or didn't seemed to pick up on what people were talking about at a, at a distance, and so they just thought I was stupid. But uh, I could see close up, so that's one reason I like to, uh, uh, to do uh, experiments and uh, things with my hands. I spent a summer, isolated myself, I didn't hang out much with friends or anything, just studied. And I read Dostoevsky's um, Crime and Punishment, and uh, studied uh, mathematics, probably about eight hours a day and uh, did all the work problems I could. And sometimes I would wake up. This was actually one of the biggest thrills in my life. This has happened a fair amount of time. Waking in three or four in the morning and have it clear in your mind, something that you've been struggling to understand. That's really a rush. That was my drug of choice. And uh, second drug of choice was music. That kept me alive, really. I guess I, I had a difficulty in a sense with what one would call melancholia, tendency to get down music and um, also pushing myself to do extreme exercise when I was able kind of broke me out of that. So uh, the biggest thrill of all, though, was coming up to a new level of understanding on anything, really. And I was told by my mother, learn everything you can. Don't pass anything by. I see so many people that just, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not interested in that. You should really be interested in everything. And in fact, I'll say that uh, 
I hear young people say, I'm bored. I don't feel sorry for that. You know, you shouldn't be bored. Uh, that means you're not looking around. There's too much to take in. It's a huge world out there. There's no end to what you can get into and understand and how you can grow. With a good brain behind you and some hard work pushing it along, well, you are a good example of what that can accomplish, no matter what your beginnings are. I think it is hard to change something you're doing as a habit. I would encourage people to target one or two points that they think they could improve, try it for a few days, and see that it's doable, and then make a commitment to it. And then monitor their weight, try to take walks. Moving about is one of the best things for keeping your central nervous system youthful. If you try to become as healthy as you can, you get to see a little bit of your ancestors. Everything in your physiology came from someone back when who survived thirst or hunger or injury or infection or something life-threatening. They managed to get through that until they had children. So they were able to pass their genome or their uh, genotype on at least part of it. In a sense, we're all bearing the DNA of our lineage for the next generation, if there is one. But if you push yourself and try to get yourself stronger, faster, smarter, better in any way you want, you'll see what your ancestors were capable of. It'd be a way of getting to meet them. Our guest today for this episode of The Science Circle was Dr. Robert Hendricks. He shared some worthwhile advice on how to avoid a deadly liver disease on the rise. And he's a living example of personal and professional success, working for his learning every step of the way and remembering to give back. He is a presenter at The Science Circle. You can find more about that at sciencecircle.org. And you can watch his presentation recording at the Science Circle channel on YouTube. It's been an honor today talking with you, Robert. Thank you very much. And the honor was all mine, Steve. We'll be right back. The Science Circle is a nonprofit program based in the Netherlands with a recording studio here in Southern California. For more information on this podcast and other Science Circle programs, please visit sciencecircle.org. That's sciencecircle.org. This podcast is under Creative Commons license and is freely available for educational use. Until the next time, I'm your host, Stephen Van Hook. Be well. <laughs>